Welcome to HBTV. I'm Harry Benzwanger, the HB in HBTV. And today we're talking about a particularly modern and galling phenomenon, the reign of the counterfeit. Let me begin by reading a seemingly unrelated passage from Atlas Shrugged, very near the beginning. It concerns a secondary character, not one of the heroes, Eddie Willers. He did not know why he suddenly thought of the oak tree. Nothing had recalled it, but he thought of it and, his, and of his childhood summers on the Taggart estate. The great oak tree had stood on the hill over the Hudson in a lonely spot on the Taggart estate. Eddie Willers, age seven, he's thinking back now, liked to come and look at that tree. It had stood there for hundreds of years, and he thought it would always stand there. Its roots clutched the hill like a fist with fingers sunk into the soil. And he thought that if a giant were to seize it by the top, he would not be able to uproot it, but would swing the hill and the whole of the earth with it like a ball at the end of a string. He felt safe in the oak tree's presence. It was a thing that nothing could change or threaten. It was his greatest symbol of strength. One night, lightning struck the oak tree. Eddie saw it the next morning. It lay broken in half, and he looked into its trunk as into the mouth of a black tunnel. The trunk was only an empty shell. Its heart had rotted away long ago. There was nothing inside, just a thin gray dust that was being dispersed by the whim of the faintest wind. The living power had gone and the shape of it had left had not been able to stand without it. Close quote from Atlas Shrugged. Now let's jump to an obvious counterfeit to see the connection, counterfeit money. Counterfeit money looks like money, but the living power is gone. There's nothing to back it up, it's just paper. In the same way that the oak tree was an empty shell, outwardly looking like a strong thing, but inwardly completely gutted, dead. So counterfeit money looks like what people have as symbols of wealth produced, but it's not. Now, where do we see that phenomenon today? Of the superficials being present, but the living essence being gone. Well, where don't we see it? All the money is counterfeit today. What do I mean by that? Well, it's all what's called fiat money. It's all money under the control of the Federal Reserve, under the control of the government. All the money is government paper 
backed by nothing except the government's promise to take it away from other people, from you and from other people. That is, is backed by the power to tax. So rather than money being a token of wealth produced, it's a token of the government's ability to destroy your wealth, to seize it, to expropriate it, and pay it to the people that accept their notes, which is just shifting hands. This really came home in the COVID stimulus. The COVID stimulus was completely counterfeit. Let's help people. They're in trouble. Let's give them what they need to get over this non-productive, you know, we've stopped people from going to work. And to some extent, they can't go to work even if we permitted it. Because it was a genuine uh, epidemic. But it shouldn't have been a cause of shutdown. Nevertheless, let's help people. And the Congress, the Senate voted 100 to nothing. I've never heard of a vote of 100 to nothing in the Senate before. Voted 100 to nothing to give trillions of dollars to everybody to get us all over this tough time. How is printing paper going to get us all over this tough time? It's counterfeit. They didn't have any goods and services stocked up in government warehouses. You know, at least with the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, they have actual oil in barrels stored away that they can uh, put on the market. But in the case of the trillions of dollars, I think it was $3 trillion, the original uh, stimulus bill under Donald Trump, it virtually doubled this federal spending overnight. And what was it a claim on? What? How could that money be spent? It couldn't without inflation. And that's what we saw. Subsequently, first, people didn't spend it because they thought it would be taxed away, and it was to some extent. And then the excess money that was in circulation raised prices. So if you ever wanted a phony, uh, uh, an example of a phony, of a, of a pseudo solution, of a counterfeiting, of uh, an action, it was the stimulus. Let's send them checks that we can't cash. That'll make them feel better. Counterfeit virtue. What is the source of virtue of many, many people today? What, what makes them feel that they're good and virtuous people? Well, it's called virtue signaling. They oppose racism. Well, racism is low and disgusting. A phenomenon of the left, by the way, racism is racial collectivism. And what makes the left left is collectivism. But leaving that aside, racism, as bad as it is, is not as bad as, say, the 
Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So some people due to racism are being looked down upon or excluded from certain opportunities in the United States. They're the butt of jokes, perhaps. They don't have access to uh, as good a, uh, education as they should. And in the Ukraine, Russia is lobbing missiles into hospitals and apartment buildings and blowing them up and killing hundreds of thousands, trying to take over the, the country. Okay, well, a lot of people on the left are opposed to it. But what about Cuba? Cuba is a dictatorship. People try to leave there in boats or, or half swimming to the United States. Are people on the left outraged at Cuba? No, they're outraged at racism. What about genital mutilation in Africa? Aren't they, aren't they supposed to be against the subjugation of women? Women here, they're too few on boards of directors. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the world, they're cutting off the clitorises of women so that they'll be more docile. Do you hear a lot about that? Well, you hear a little bit about it, but the real source of virtue is this issue of racism, which is, you know, bad, but it's not the key to your virtue. You don't become a virtuous person by opposing racism. You become a virtuous person by achieving something, dedicating yourself to a goal, and doing the right things that help you achieve that goal and not giving up and fighting for the value of your person. That's what virtue is. But even if you thought it was something different, marching and holding up a sign is not, it's too easy. It's, a, it's virtue signaling, it's not virtue. What about counterfeit negatives? What, what do you mean counterfeit negatives? Counterfeit crises. The crisis on our southern border. Since I attacked the left, let's give equal time to attack the right. There is no crisis on their southern border. All these people who are being stopped from coming in should be let in. That would end the crisis. All the people who are being held for vetting and, and checking that they're not criminals. Why aren't we doing that in Dubuque? Let's round up a bunch of people in Dubuque and see if they uh, are criminal and we'll hold them in detention cells until they until we find out. But if they're gang members, well, they're gang members in Dubuque too. And if you want to get rid of the drug trade uh, and the cartels and so forth, just legalize drugs. That would end it tomorrow. The only reason there are drug cartels, a, a drug crisis, the phenotype, crisis is another phony crisis, counterfeit crisis. The only reason it exists is that there's very high profit to smuggle in drugs when the government makes it illegal to buy drugs. If they made bacon illegal, 
there would be bacon cartels. People like bacon. Now, I'm not saying that heroin and fentanyl are, are like bacon, harmless, but people want them and it doesn't harm anyone else if they take them. But it harms other people if they're arrested for trying to get it so that the price is so high they have to commit crimes to buy it. Did you know that the price of heroin in terms of a competitive market would be the same as aspirin? Doctors who can buy heroin legally and cocaine legally get it for pennies. It's not difficult to grow a plant and process it as we see. If it were, it would be a high-tech operation and Columbia gang members couldn't do it. So the artificial restricted supply is what creates the high profit, extraordinarily high profit. And that's what creates the criminal incentive to break the law to get that high profit. Just repeal the law. You don't want people dying in uh, trucks, uh, badly ventilated, smuggling the coyotes, smuggling human trafficking into the country. Allow people to drive their cars in or walk in or take a bus in or take a plane in. There's no reason not to have completely open immigration. The principle, the fundamentals, individual rights. I've spoken on that on other HBTVs and written on it extensively, so I won't beat what should be a, a dead horse. What's another counterfeit um, another counterfeit positive in this case? Some, not all, but some clinical studies. The FDA, when they find out something is safe, demand much more testing to assure us that it's effective. Well, they shouldn't even be testing it to assure us it's safe. It's our business to find out if what we're going to put in our bodies is safe but that it's effective. You have to do studies of tens of thousands of people. If you do a preliminary study with 20 people and all of them are cured of this disease, it's effective. You don't need to do the study with thousands. Now, the companies want to do studies to see what dosage is best, but you can't say it's not established that it's effective when 20 people were given this pill and they, within a day or two, their disease went away. There are th these things are going on all the time. You're, you're thinking of the Moderna and, and Pfizer vaccines and, and maybe other vaccines, uh, which I oppose the testing of, the phase three testing, delayed the vaccines nine months when they were known to be safe and effective. Now, you may think they're not safe, but it's indisputable that they're effective despite the anti-vax crowd. There's like 10 to 1 deaths from uh, unvaccinated to vaccinated. But why do you need 
clinical studies of the obvious. That's my bigger point. I'm not here to you know, defend the vaccines or, or attack the vaccine. If you've got something like Moderna has an anti-cancer drug, it uh, cured 40, 47% of people with malignant melanoma, which was a death sentence. They gave it in the phase two trial and half of them had remission. If I got my, my numbers right, I think I do. So why do you go have to hold off this drug and let people die while you test the same thing on tens of thousands? There's no reason for it. It's it's a counterfeit study. What about in the intellectual world? What is counterfeit ethics? Counterfeit ethics. Ethics is the study of the principles one has to live by in order to achieve the good. You know, one of the hottest topics is in ethics, the trolley problem. The trolley problem. What is that? Well, imagine you're at a switch. And a trolley can be switched to uh, track A or track B. If it goes on track A, there's a baby on the tracks and it'll be killed. If it goes on track B, 10 old people will be killed. What, what should you do? Should you switch it to, from A to B? Who should live and who should die in this situation? That is not an ethical problem. There is no ethics has no answer to that problem. It's not a problem to raise for ethics. The choices that you need guidance for are whether to pursue the career that you want or the career that everybody in your family and subculture expects you to go into whether to have the courage to pursue the woman of your dreams that you've met barely, or whether to give in to fear. I can recommend a good movie in that regard, uh, Defending Your Life. It's a, it's a fantasy movie with Albert Brooks and um, the woman, the great woman actress, the blonde, whose name I can never <laughs> I never call up when I need it. Uh, and it was about, it was done in the 90s, I think. Excellent movie uh, about real ethical problems. So the trolley problem is an example of a pseudo problem, a counterfeit problem. It derails the real questions of ethics. Should you live for yourself? or for your family, or for your community, or for God? Is there a God? Those are real questions. Now, it gets a lot worse than the trolley problem. This is, now this is dated because my I went to graduate school in the 60s, and I haven't spent a lot of time in academia, but this was the hot thing back when I was in graduate school. It's Nelson Goodman, Fact, Fiction, and Forecast. Now we're gonna see 
counterfeit epistemology. This chapter is entitled The New Riddle of Induction. The old riddle of induction was how can we go from knowledge of a few particulars to knowledge of a general universal truth? So we see a lot of green emeralds. How do we know that all emeralds are green? That was the old problem of induction. Here's the new one. Let me introduce another predicate less familiar than green. It's going to be less, a lot less familiar than green. Predicate is a, like an adjective or the concept of an attribute that's applied to something. It is the predicate GRU, G-R-U-E. And it applies to all things examined before T just in case they are green but to other things just in case they are blue. Then at time T, we have for each evidence statement asserting that a given emerald is green, a parallel evidence statement asserting that that emerald is grew. And the statements that emerald A is grew, that emerald B is grew, and so on, will each confirm the general hypothesis that all emeralds are grew. But after time T, if an emerald subsequently established, uh, examined as grew, it is blue, and it's not green. Now, I don't know if you can twist your mind around this, but he says, suppose we call grew, if it's before, oh, let's say 2130 the year 2130, we're going to use the word grew to mean anything that's green. But on January 1st, when that ball drops in Times Square, we're going to use the word grew, the same word, only to blue things and not to green things. So we're going to switch our usage. Now, all the evidence we have that grass is green and emeralds is green is now evidence also that they're grew because it's before 2130. So they're both green. The evidence is they're green. The evidence is they're grew. But when that ball drops on January 1st, 2030, all the things that are blue will not be green. Oh, sorry. All the things that are grew now will be blue. So what happened to our evidentiary statement? We confirmed that was Siri piping in. You think you, you have evidence that emeralds are green, but that's the same evidence that shows that emeralds are grew. But they're not grew because they won't be blue. They won't change their color on that January 1st, 2030 date. So all the evidence that we had that confirmed emeralds are grew, now is gone, is bad. We thought we knew it, but we don't. That's the new riddle of induction. Now, can you believe that? Can you believe that that is what passes for philosophy, for theory of knowledge, for the philosophy of science even? So what's going on here is that People are usually, I don't want to say, 
a lot of people are blind to fundamentality. So if you give them something that looks like money, they'll think it is money. If you give them something that sounds like an ethical problem, they'll think it is an ethical problem. If you show them something that everyone approves of, they'll think it is virtue. If you make a, a crisis artificially, as you make, make it difficult for hundreds of thousands or millions of people to do what they would ordinarily take care of on their own, you, it looks like a crisis, but it isn't a crisis because the fundamental is a law was imposed that created this, quote, crisis. So the fundamental is harder to recognize than the superficial. People tend to substitute superficials for fundamentals, and that's what allows for counterfeiting, counterfeiting positives and counterfeiting disasters and crises and things to be alarmed about. The sky is falling. Speaking of which, since we have one minute left, what is this? This is Newsweek magazine. The ravaged environment. Date, you can't read it, but it's January 26, 1970, 53 years ago. And it talks about how we're all going to die from all the pollution and the wasteful consumption. Wasteful consumption. You know how much we were consuming back then. Oh, about a third of what we're consuming now without any problem. Look at this picture. This is a picture of Las Vegas in 1970. The Golden Nugget Gambling Hall Casino. Never heard of it, right? This was big in 1970. It was wasteful consumption. It was before Caesar's Palace and the Venetian and all the ones that are five times bigger and brassier than this ever was. Uh, and yet somehow Vegas is still a nice place to go. It's not my cup of tea, but now how about this? According to one scenario, the planet is already well advanced toward a phenomenon called the greenhouse effect. Concentrations of carbon dioxide are building up in the atmosphere, it is said, as the world's vegetation, which feeds on CO2, is progressively chopped down. Really? It was? No. Hanging in the atmosphere, it forms a barrier trapping the planet's heat. Yeah, we've heard this. As a result, the greenhouse theorists contend, the world is threatened with a rise in average temperature, which if it reached four or five degrees, could melt the polar ice caps, raise sea level by as much as 300 feet. Even Al Gore didn't go that, high, that far. And cause a worldwide flood. 
1970. Did you know that there were Senate hearings about global warming? Now reborn is climate change, so they can have it. Anything that happens, they can claim victory on it. There was Senate hearings, congressional hearings in 1988. What is that, 35 years ago? Yet somehow we're all here. Counterfeit crisis. So before you get too excited about a positive or too ex uh, scared about a negative, make sure you're dealing with fundamental causes, not superficial manifestations. One last thing that you all probably know from philosophy, which is the father of all this counterfeit nonsense. Well, that's a redundancy, isn't it? Counterfeit nonsense. All these counterfeit events and attitudes. That's philosophy. Here's an example of a, a counterfeit metaphysics. The brain in a vat. How do we know that we're not just brains in a vat of nutrients with wires connected to a computer that's sending us all this content, mental content, but it's not real. Now that is not real. That is not a real problem. That is a, a violation of hierarchy. We don't know that there are clouds and that we see when we look out the window and food that we put in our mouths. We don't know that we have mouths, but we know that if, we, if you put a brain in a vat and stimulate it with an electrical current, it will have experiences. So we don't know the simplest perceptual data. All that's thrown out. But neuroscience is untouched. They don't need no stinking perceptual data. Incidentally, if you were being stimulated, if you did, if not you, but if they took a brain and stimulated it and it did have these responses, it would be responding to reality. The computer's signals would be real, be part of the external world, and there's nothing else to be aware of but the external world. You are a brain in a fat right now because your brain is in a blood bath. And it's being sent information through your sense receptors, which are fundamentally not different from a computer. So this is, you know, they're doing this instead of reading Ayn Rand, which is what, and learning from it. She's not the only philosopher you can learn from, but she's the best. Thank you for coming. I hope to see you next week on HBTV.